Genesis chapter 48, verse 1. And it came to pass after these things that one said to Joseph, Behold, thy father is sick. And he took with him his two sons, Manasseh and Ephraim. Joseph knows that his father is about ready to die because somebody in the community told him. Immediately he takes his two sons. And this is because he knows that his father would want to bless his sons. Two, and one told Jacob and said, Behold, thy son Joseph cometh unto thee. And Israel strengthened himself and sat upon the bed. So Jacob was too weak to sit up generally, but when he heard that Joseph was coming, then he sat up. And it's interesting how it just says, Somebody told Joseph and somebody told Jacob. And this shows you that anybody would have told them. The whole household knew that Jacob would want to bless Joseph's children before he died. The whole household basically is making sure that they get together. 3. And Jacob said unto Joseph, God Almighty appeared unto me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me. And so now he's establishing that because he was blessed by God, he can bless his generations. 4. And said unto me, Behold, I will make thee fruitful and multiply thee, and I will make of thee a company of peoples, and will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. So now we know why Jacob named Joseph Joseph, because Joseph means increase, and Jacob was promised that he would increase. So when the son who he's always waited for finally comes, which is Rachel's son, then he names that son Increase, which refers to the blessing. So he said, And I will give this land to thy seed after thee for an everlasting possession. 5. And now thy two sons, who were born unto thee in the land of Egypt, before I came unto thee in Egypt, are mine, Ephraim and Manasseh, even as Reuben and Simeon shall be mine. Jacob is saying, I am now going to adopt your two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, so that now Jacob now has... Instead of 12 sons, he basically has 14 because he's adopting Ephraim and Manasseh, officially adopting them, which means that they will now be considered the brothers of the other 11. Rather than their nephews, they will be considered their brothers and have the right as brothers. 6. And thy issue that thou begettest after them shall be thine. They shall be called after the name of their brethren in their inheritance. Now Jacob is saying, when your sons have children, those children will belong to you. They'll be as your own children. So it's kind of like a substitute. He's saying, I'm going to adopt your children and you can adopt your grandchildren as your sons because your sons are now considered my sons instead of yours. So you will adopt your grandchildren as your sons to replace Ephraim and Manasseh. But this is all about promotion. Because Jacob is adopting Ephraim and Manasseh, he can now give them the blessings that you would only normally give to sons. You wouldn't give it to grandsons, but he's going to bless them as if they're his own sons. 7. And as for me, when I came from Padan, Rachel died unto me in the land of Canaan in the way, when there was still some way to come unto Ephrath, and I buried her there in the way to Ephrath. The name is Bethlehem. If you ever see Ephrath or Ephrata in the Old Testament or the New Testament, it's always referring to Bethlehem. The man who founded Bethlehem, his name was Ephrath. So that's why both names mean the same town. So he's telling Joseph that your mother died when we were almost to Bethlehem. The life of Joseph is foreshadowing the life of Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem. 8. And Israel beheld Joseph's sons and said, Who are these? 
as if he doesn't know. He knows. But remember when I told you in a previous chapter early on in Genesis, the people of God ask questions as when they're actually making statements. He knows who they are. He's actually making a statement. These are your sons. But he poses it as a question. And you'll see that God also does this when he talks to the Israelites. He talks to the Israelites sometimes in questions, but he's actually making a statement. Like when he said, where are you, Adam? He knew where Adam was, but he's making Adam think about where Adam is. 9. And Joseph said unto his father, These are my sons, whom God hath given me here. And he said, Bring them, I pray thee, unto me, and I will bless them. 10. Now the eyes of Israel were dim for age, so that he could not see, and he brought them near. In the Bible, you have to really track pronouns carefully, and that's like the he's and the hers and the him's and the them's, because the Bible won't explain to you what the pronoun is for, who it refers to. So you just have to track. So we know that when it says he could not see, it means Jacob. And when it says he brought them near unto him, it means Joseph brought his sons near unto Jacob. And he kissed them means Jacob kissed them and embraced them. So Joseph knows that Jacob is blind or partially blind. But Jacob is now embracing Joseph's sons because he's just officially adopted them. 11. And Israel said unto Joseph, I had not thought to see thy face, and lo, God hath let me see thy seed also which means, I thought I would never see you again, and now I've even seen your children. 12. And Joseph brought them out from between his knees, and he fell down on his face to the earth. So between the knees is where your children come from, because they come from your loins. Earlier in the Bible, when Rachel had her handmaid in sleep with Jacob, she said, that son will be born on my knees. And what she meant was that son will belong to me. It may have even been done in a physical way because back then women gave birth by squatting, which is a really smart way to give birth because that way gravity is working. They would squat over a pillow and then the baby would come out because gravity would help the baby come out, which shows you they were a lot smarter back then than we are today. Now we try to give birth laying on our backs, which makes it incredibly painful and difficult. So anyway, the the handmaiden, while she was squatting, Rachel could have gotten close and put her knees close by so that it resembles Rachel having the baby. And it could have been a ritual that they actually did to symbolize that that baby really belongs to Rachel. Here, Joseph was probably sitting down with the kids between his knees, standing up, you know, with his legs spread. And then he pushes the two children toward his father, Jacob. 13. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right, and brought them near unto him. So he thinks that because his father can't see, he needs to place them properly so that the oldest son is on Israel's right side and the youngest son is on Israel's left so that it will be easy for Israel to bless Israel with his right hand on the oldest son, his left hand on the youngest, the blessing will be appropriate that the oldest son gets the biggest inheritance. 14. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly, that means intelligently, for Manasseh was the firstborn. So this means that Jacob deliberately crosses his hands, knowing that Joseph would have presented the oldest son on his right. He deliberately crosses his hands so that now he's going to use his left hand to bless the oldest son and his right hand to bless the younger son. 
15, And he blessed Joseph and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God who hath been my shepherd all my life long unto this day. 16, The angel who hath redeemed me from all Israel blessed the lads. Israel always knew that this angel was appointed to help him on his journeys by God. That doesn't mean that we should worship angels or look for our angel or try to talk to our angel or get messages from our angel. All of that is new age hocus pocus. He was simply aware that he did have an angel. That doesn't mean that he had conversations with his angel or asked his angel any questions. We're not supposed to do that with angels. Continuing on, And let my name be named in them, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. So now he's saying they will be like my own sons, and they will multiply. 17. And when Joseph saw that his father was laying his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him, and he held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head unto Manasseh's head. Joseph thinks that Israel has made a mistake by crossing his hands, and he probably assumes that Israel didn't realize that he had put the correct son on the right hand. And so now he's actually grabbing his right hand and trying to put it on the correct son, which is the older son. 18. And Joseph said unto his father, Not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. So Joseph is trying to correct, thinking that his father made a mistake in his blindness. 19. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son, I know it. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Howbeit, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his seed shall become a multitude of nations. Israel is saying, Nope, I crossed my hands on purpose. I know exactly what I'm doing, and the younger son will get the greater blessing. Jesus said the first or last and the last are first. This always represents Jesus Christ because Jesus, who is first, who is God, who lived in glory long before this world was created and who did create this world as one of the three persons of God, he humbled himself and made himself last by coming to earth to live for us and get tested in every way that you and I are tested and to never sin and then to die on the cross as a penalty for our sins, but even more to be raised again and then to ascend back into heaven. So Jesus, who is first, made himself last and now he is first again. His father has appointed him with authority over all things that have been created. We will get into more into God as three persons. I won't touch on it today, but if you don't understand that concept, it will be explained as we go through the Bible. But God is three persons, just like you yourself are three in one. You have a body, which is your physical form. You have a soul, which is your personality. And you have a spirit, which is the part of you who knows right from wrong and who can pray and, and commune with God. Animals don't have a spirit, but you do, because you're not an animal. You were created in God's image. Animals have souls, which is their personality. So they have a soul and a body, but humans have a soul, a body, and a spirit. And that's why animals don't know right from wrong, because they don't have a spirit. And that's why animals can't sin, because they don't know right from wrong. You have to be able to know right from wrong in order to be able to sin. So animals are innocent. You and I are not innocent because we've always known right from wrong and we've chosen to sin. All of us have sinned. So in a nutshell, that's one reason why you should be able to understand that God is also three in one, just like you and I are. But he's God and we're not, and he's perfect and we're not, and he is holy and we're not. And he created us. We didn't create him. And there's only one of him and there's billions of us. He's one of a kind. But he also came in bodily form, and that's Jesus Christ. He has a 
soul, which is his personality, and that's Father God. And he also has a spirit, the one and only Holy Spirit. His spirit is holy because he's perfection. He doesn't sin. He's never sinned, and he never will. He is three in one, and so are we, but we're not God. But he has his own spirit, just like you and I have a spirit. He has his own soul, just like you and I have a soul. And he came in bodily form, just like you and I have a body. So it's not really that big of a mystery as a lot of people make it out to be. And a lot of people are in serious denial about God being three in one. But if you ask them, hey, do you have a body, a soul, and a spirit? They'll say, yeah, I sure do. But they don't allow God to have a body, a soul, and a spirit. So they're very prejudiced. Anybody who denies that God is three in one is very, very prejudiced. 20. And he blessed them that day, saying, By thee shall Israel bless, saying, God make thee as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And he set Ephraim before Manasseh. So again, Jacob himself was the younger brother, and he got the greater blessing. Seth was the third son of Adam, and he got the greater blessing. So it's already happened before the younger son got the greater blessing. 21. And Israel said unto Joseph, Behold, I die, but God will be with you and bring you back unto the land of your fathers. 22. Moreover, I have given to thee one portion above thy brethren, which I took out of the hand of the Amorite with my sword and with my bow. So he's going to give Joseph an extra portion of, I guess, the spoils of war from when Jacob fought with the Amorites. And also, in an indirect way, Joseph has already been blessed double because instead of giving Joseph the inheritance alone so that he would only get one portion of Jacob's inheritance, Jacob adopted his sons instead and gave each of them a portion, meaning that Joseph, by proxy, has a double portion. So Joseph has been blessed exceedingly. And that concludes Genesis chapter 48.